Fresh Economic Thinking podcast, new ideas and analysis with Dr. Cameron Murray and Jonathan Gadir. Hi, Cameron. Thanks for joining me again today. Uh, very cold in southeastern Australia this week. Same in oh. Brisbane, mate. I'm not used to it at all. I guess this week you're caving into one of my demands, which is that you talk a bit about crypto and Bitcoin especially. And that's kind of convenient because um, you've got a Barney about that, a really cool one, which involves a bet and money. So tell me all about it. Yeah, that's right. So the Barney this week is my um, sort of intellectual debate with Professor Jason Potts at RMIT, who uh, founded their crypto economics research group. And back in 2017, we had a pretty long back and forth about what's good or what's bad or what, what's the point of Bitcoin. Uh, because I've done a lot of research on money supply and monetary systems and payment settlement systems. And for the life of me, I couldn't see how crypto did the job better than what we had. Uh, it wasn't clear to me at all. Uh, Jason, on the other hand, he thought this was uh, the greatest uh, institutional revolution for decades. And he, uh, he agreed to a bet uh, to put, it, put his money where the mouth, his mouth is uh, about how seriously he thought Bitcoin or any cryptocurrency would change the way we do business. So would you like to hear the terms of the bet? Yeah, please do tell me. The wording is, I, Cameron, will lose the bet if, as it's 19th of September 2022, Bitcoin or any other cryptocurrency not backed by a national banking institution meets all of the following criteria. One, Bitcoin can be used to buy groceries in a physical store in my suburb where prices are posted in Bitcoin and not simply converted from Aussie dollars periodically. Two, more than three listed companies in Australia pay salaries in Bitcoin or have an option to and advertise their salary rates in Bitcoin, meaning you do not get paid Australian dollars converted at the going exchange rate each time. Three, at least one OECD country accepts Bitcoin for income tax payments and will calculate tax obligations in Bitcoin, not just converting from local currency. And four, Jason Potts is being paid in Bitcoin at a fixed Bitcoin price not simply converting from an Aussie dollar salary to Bitcoin. The loser pays the winner 100 Aussie dollars at an event the loser organizes in their city that involves lively discussions, debates, and socializing. Yeah. So as you can see, like kind of... Jason was pretty, pretty keen on how revolutionary Bitcoin was and the, the whole cryptocurrency distributed ledger uh, technology that had uh, risen up at the time, and he really uh, thought that this could replace uh, a national currency within five years. The only interesting development is that, uh, remind me now, Jonathan, which country was starting to accept Bitcoin tax payments? Uh, El that's Salvador? El Salvador. Yeah, yeah. Their president, who's sort of hip and cool and young and also now a bit authoritarian as well. Yeah. So that's that's the closest we got to any of the the four terms of the bet. Um, no major grocery store uh, has decided to price in some cryptocurrency. Um, no major companies pay 
salaries measured in a cryptocurrency, Bitcoin or otherwise. And uh, I'm quietly confident Jason hasn't told me, but he's not being paid at a Bitcoin salary. So let's move from the Barney to talking about this in depth. Are you a Bitcoin skeptic in general or just specifically about the time frame that it will take for it to be a currency? No, I, I'm, I'm a skeptic of the technology um, being used as money uh, at all. And I, I'm going to be honest, I don't know how to code up Bitcoin payments and I don't know the, the finer details, but I do know the high level conceptual um, structure of the system. And my view is that conceptually, the idea of Bitcoin is at odds with the idea of money. And that's why Bitcoin or any other type of uh, attempt at a replicating a physical token, a scarce physical object in, in an electronic form is going to fail to replace money and payment systems we currently have. So it's it's not it's it's a very high level conceptual um, critique of the technology that although it's it can do something that couldn't be done before, its functionality is not what we is not desirable in a payment or money system. That's my okay. critique. But but do you agree with those um, commentators that say that fiat currency is being undermined by outrageously you know profligate um, money printing over the last decades that will lead to hyperinflation and that um, bitcoin is i mean whether bitcoin is the answer or not is a sort of a separate question but do you agree with that kind of um, analysis of the problem to which some people are saying bitcoin is the answer yeah, no, I don't agree with that analysis of the problem. And I think that's the that's almost the defining difference between people who, you know, the true believers, maybe I'll call them, in, in Bitcoin and crypto and the, the, the genuine skeptics. There's a lot of people in the middle ground who think maybe it's an interesting technology and something good will happen with it. And, you know, I have those tendencies sometimes, but in terms of a currency, in terms of money, uh, I'm, I'm very far on the skeptic side. And that's because we don't have that problem that you just described of money printing and excess inflation. We were not able to get inflation in almost any country of the world for the last 20 years or more. We haven't really had a decent inflation since the 1980s. Uh, and it's only just occurred in the last 18 months that that globally we've got some inflation so if the idea that we need to replace the money system because governments just always um, extend the money supply and collapse the value is is right well we should have been able to see that for a long period of time but we haven't we've seen a small inflationary bit blip during an energy crisis a COVID shutdown a, a shanghai lockdown um, a whole uh, transition of our economic and global production system during a short period of time. That's the only thing we've seen. 
and it's not the it's not predominantly the result of government actions to print money and that's i think the key difference um, it's certainly true governments printed money and put it in people's bank accounts but you've got to understand we want a money system where you can print money and that the you can get more money as the economy grows a fixed money supply which is the ideal of bitcoin is terrible and dysfunctional and there's a reason we don't have it um, because it's you you get persistent deflation in money and and the thing that we're trying to use to make payments is the thing no one wants to use to make payments because it goes up in value so mm -hmm. it becomes very illiquid so i think that's happening in bitcoin people don't use it for payments they use it to speculate on its capital gains the other point i think they misunderstand about see see there's there's a funny divide here a lot of people who really love crypto don't really uh, invest a lot of time learning about money or its history um they they just really love learning about the crypto uh itself whereas i come from the opposite side I, I have done a lot of research on money and payment systems. Um, and so I, I just see the world very differently. So it puzzles me what problem we're solving with crypto. You see, every time a bank in their day-to-day -day function creates a loan, they also create money. And I think that's important to remember that we have a method for making money by extending loans in the banking system that almost automatically grows as the economy grows. So that's a beautiful feature of, of the current monetary system. And if you didn't have that, you'd have a lot of trouble um, pooling resources to uh, through the financial system to undertake large capital projects. It would be very, very difficult. So you know, that's, that's a, a big feature in my view, and, and crypto essentially undermines that. So... I probably want to also go back to this high-level concept because it's it's a little bit subtle, but the way I see money is not as an object. And people think of money as, as a, an object. And what you do when you pay someone is you take an object and you give it to them. But money is, is not an object. It's a system of accounting for IOUs. It's an accounting system. And it's, so when I pay you, we credit your account, we debit my account. It's it's just a recording of the relationship that we undertook. Um, it's not that I've passed you a token. It's just a it's a it's a record keeping process, and so yeah. that's why we can expand balance sheets by creating money because we create new records of new loans and new deposits, and we can then use them. So that's at a high level concept we need to get out of our heads that money is an object or a token and that we're trying to replicate um, a scarce uh, mineral <laughs> in the virtual world we have to get our head around money is a, a a record of accounting between humans for the relationships that they have the the ious that go between them there are people who are skeptical of bitcoin but they're big on gold and the reason is that they are philosophically opposed to money that's detached from a physical store of value. That's the way to express it. Yeah. They think that 
that any any fiat currency that can just be increased whenever a government feels like it is unreliable and disastrous. I think I need to dig in a bit to why you disagree with that school of thought. I think, you know, we call it Austrian school sometimes, or mm-hmm. I don't know, there are all sorts of names for this mm-hmm. way of thinking. Well, that's interesting. I, I, I had the view that a lot of people who were keen on gold were, were generally keen on crypto, but there's also another group that have the opposite view, I guess. Uh, my, my issue with gold is that gold can be used to represent money. So let me be clear. We can use banknotes yeah, that we have in circulation. They, they represent accounting at the central bank. So a lot of people don't know. They think, oh, I've got that banknote. It's money. And that banknote is one side of an account. The re- other side of that account, the liability, is on the central bank's balance sheet. And they have essentially torn off a, a, a row out of their accounting book and given it to you. And instead of that accounting book being written down, here's $10 that we owe Cam, I can lift that out and I can give it to you. And when you go back to a bank, they go, ah, now you owe this money to Jonathan. So it's a physical representation of a system of accounts. Now, gold has a value for its resource use, right? You use gold in electronics, you use gold for jewelry. That's great. But traditionally, gold as money is used because it's a reliable way to represent that credit arrangement it's hard to forge it's mobile you can go and say the king essentially that gold coin says the king owes me this and now i can give it to you now the king owes you that and i can't just easily go and find more gold and stamp you know the king's face on it Um, so it's it's quite uh, robust to forgery so even though gold has a long history of being used as money it's actually, its history is more as a representation of money, a mobile um, row out of that credit ledger that you can swap with other people rather than going back to that book at the bank and saying, actually, now I owe him. Can you cross that person's money out on the deposit? Put my name next to it. So, so that's how I see gold. And that's why I, I don't think gold is money either. There's nothing, if gold was good money, people could still use gold and would want to trade it. But it suffers some, many of the same problems that crypto does is that the supply of gold is relatively scarce. It can't be easily extended. And so people prefer to hold gold for its investment return because its value goes up rather than use gold as a payment that we can exchange. Uh, when we buy and sell goods, That's like there's nothing stopping you paying for stuff in gold. Just ask someone, would you like gold? They'll still say, I want this, this dollar yeah. amount of it. They won't go, okay, this is now priced in five grams of gold because mm. the gold price varies because people like to hold it, right? That's the same problem with Bitcoin. Go. But isn't there their point that it's not sound to have a currency that's not that has no um, no physical footing, like it, essentially? Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Like they're saying now, like Quoth the Raven, who's got a podcast I listen to, he's saying that there's a seismic shift underway right now. He's been this in the last few weeks. He's saying Russia is 
backing its currency with gold, it's we're going to have two. We're going to have a new global monetary system. It's going to have on one side Russia, China, India, Saudi Arabia, and other some other countries with commodity-backed sound money, and then the West and the West's allies with infinite fiat. And one is completely unstable, as in infinite fiat, and because it's not backed by. Yeah. Anything. What does backed yeah. by what what do you think they mean when they say backed by commodities? What does that mean? Like it they sounds sell really real good. stuff. <laughs> they sell real stuff they... for the dollars. Is that what you're saying? I don't know. That if you want to if, if you go to those countries and use those dollars, you'll get real stuff. Look, I think this is the this is the um the very high level view of money. Whoever's got the most guns tells you what what accounting system we're using. So let me let me give you this one. Um, Captain James Cook has a ship full of gold and arrives on a Pacific island, and he tries to buy stuff with his gold. And they all just get out their spears and say, Bug, "Bugger that! You, I want you to pay us with these very rare shells that we use." Okay. All of a sudden, that gold is worth nothing to anyone on that island. Um, but the shells are worth a lot. Why is that? Because the people with the spears decided that the shells are the things we're going to accept it as payment and have a value. So I think, um, you know, this backed by a commodity thing, um, you know, there, there are some elements of truth in that there are limits to um, the credit arrangement that you can have across an international border Um without having the goods to trade. Like as you grow a liability between one country and another, that becomes riskier and riskier if for some reason there's a political tension and one country wants you to repay all of a sudden and you know the price of your currency can change rapidly. But again, that's just an accounting. We're just accruing a liability in the money system. And that's that's fine. But it's not the risk is not that you know you don't produce commodities. Um, the risk is just like any credit risk where you overextend in one direction and, and the counterparty decides they want their money back today. That's, that's sort of, that's true if there's gold, that's true in all situations. I think my Googling efforts have found me a good philosophical statement from the other side you can address. Nathan Lewis writing in Forbes, and that is, when you come to understand that money should be stable in value, free from human intervention, and you realise that linking the value of money to gold has always been the best way to achieve this goal, then there is no other conclusion but a gold standard system. In other words, you have a fiat currency, the state can do whatever it wants to you. Well, it can do that without the currency because it's got the guns, right? Like that's, it's it's not a feature of the currency that makes that true. And just like, for example, the US went off the gold standard, they, you can just change your mind, right? At the end of the day, it's always going to be about the relationship between human beings, the recording of the relationships between human beings. And the power of the currency comes not from the, the unit of account, but from the external uh, environment, the, the the stability of the politics, the stability of the property rights, the accuracy of the account keeping. So, mm-hmm. I love I love how all these quotes sound like they've found the truth in a book, or you know, they're very inspiring and they 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 tell a tale of grand um, civilizations. But I really find these these approaches they're not helpful. They don't help you predict what's going to happen in the world 
any better and they misrepresent the way the money system works at the moment i think i think the yeah the 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 people who believe in gold who are skeptical of bitcoin are pretty much agreeing with you they're saying the state can come along at any time with a gun and ban bitcoin and what can you do about it nothing but yeah, people well, will still accept gold. That's right, and, and and it's the same is true. The same is true with property, right? Um, so we think we own, you know, the land we live on, but you know, the record keeping of who owns what doesn't, you know, mean anything. The way whether you record it in a pink book or a brown book or on a, you know, a Microsoft server or something else, that doesn't change anything. What what's important is the the external uh, setup and who's got the power and do they. Um, do they enforce that that's your property? Is it stable? Is it expected? Do they, if you call the police, will they keep people off, et cetera? It's, it's the same type of um, accounting system. The money system reflects the external power structures. So I, I don't think there's a way that you can say, aha, if we just do this one neat trick, when we use this type of money, then powers that exist external to the money the politics and whatnot, uh, they'll never get us. We'll be, we'll okay. be free. I, I think that's a misunderstanding of, of the nature of things. Can I tell you something that scared me quite a bit um, f- from some of these podcasts that I listen to? That is the idea of a reserve bank or a central bank digital mm-hmm. currency. So like a, basically uh, some, some digital currency that we're going to will be paid in where the government can control how it can be spent. Mm-hmm. Have you heard about this? I have heard about that, yeah. Mm. It, Should I be terrified about this? No. Well, here's the thing. Again, um, we have the Inju card. I think we mentioned that earlier, which is the, the card that welfare recipients are meant to use to control their spending. We didn't need cryptocurrency for that. We just needed the external organizational structures to create some kind of solution to control how you spend money. So I think um, crypto is not, it, it may not even be the easiest way to control how you spend money, a central bank digital currency. Then, you know, some people worry that the central bank will do a cryptocurrency that's, that they monitor or they, they, they track who, who spends the tokens where. Um, but I, Again, I think that's a, it's a political debate separate from the implementation of the process. Now, I forgot earlier, but I want, one of the debates, and maybe you've heard about it, one of the big ideas in crypto is this irreversibility. Is that something yeah. you've read yeah, about? Of course. That's, yeah, of course. That's like the main, one of the main things that crypto enthusiasts talk about. Yeah. Yeah. And I've always been puzzled by this. What's their best reason? Because... When I think of a transaction, I think, well, I'll pay you and I've got the confidence that if something goes wrong, you'll pay me back. So if I go to the supermarket and I buy something and I'm putting it in my bag and I'm like, oh, this one's out of date. Uh, there's none left. Can I have my money back? They'll go, sure. So the, the, the re- again, the money is this relationship and reversing the payment is kind of quite an important part of that, that system. So in what world, is, I guess is my question, in what world is irreversibility of payment a good idea? What, Isn't it where's like the against benefit? fraud and against um, double spending? Um. Yeah, but the, the spending is just a relationship, right? So I, when, when you pay electronically, your, your bank essentially 
um, communicates to the other bank, here, uh, I promise to give you this reserve currency if you credit this account at your bank because I'm going to debit mine. So it's like this agreement. Um, there's not really a double spending problem there because, um, because you can't just put in a credit without a debit. Now, it kind of sounds weird when you say that, but that, that, that's not a problem of current electronic representations of money. I think the problem is because crypto is trying to replicate this token, I imagine crypto sometimes is like you've all got little stones and what you're doing is each stone is a, a, a unit of currency. And instead of recording the accounts on, on people's balance sheets and their accounts you're actually recording who owns the bitcoin on the bitcoin itself so on the stone you go as of this date cameron murray owes me owns me and then i give it to someone else and they chisel into the stone as of this date somebody owns me and you're recording on the the token rather than recording accounts of of individuals and i think that's that's sort of a reversal of what we want out of money we don't want the unit the token to go around recording who owns it. <laughs> the money system is just a recording of people's accounts and who owes them what. I don't know if that's clear, but I, I do yeah. find it a puzzle. Um, can you in one minute say why I shouldn't, st I still don't understand why I shouldn't be worried about an authoritarian digital currency from the state that controls how I spend my money? Well, uh, you know, you can, certain trades are illegal regardless of how you pay, um, buying illegal drugs and so forth. But also, um, look what happened in India just, uh, I think it was about six years ago. They announced one day that the, uh, I think it was the 20 or 100 rupee notes would be no good at the end of the week and that you had to take them to a bank by the end of the week to trade it for a, a, a deposit at that account. So the power of the government was much, much bigger um, and broader than the monetary system itself. And I think that's true with, with every system. Okay. Sounds like you're making an argument that there are certain people that fetishize the, 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 the you know, certain you know, forms of money um, when essentially they're critiquing you know, certain forms of political power or authoritarian ideology. Am yeah. I getting that? Yeah. Yeah, you to you're totally spot on there. I think there's this dream, there's this, I don't know if it's a libertarian dream or a dream that if only we had this system, we could escape the powers that be and we'd be free to do our own thing. And I just think the reality is we're a human society. We have to do things collectively sometimes and and there is there is no escape. You just have to face the reality that... There is politics everywhere. Um, and yeah, if you want to change it, you have to get involved. But yeah, you, you can't escape it with a technology. Um, but I think, it, isn't it a bit of an academic argument? For example, if someone proposed you know, legislation in Parliament today introducing a digital currency where the government would, um, you know, prevent you from spending on things that were unhealthy or, you know, things that were quote-unquote unsafe and, mm -hmm. you know, this kind of thing, would you oppose it? I mean, it would be a leap in, a, in an authoritarian direction, right? So it doesn't, obviously, yes, yes, by itself, you know, the money system, the digital reserve bank currency is not the problem. The problem is the government behind Correct. it that wants to be authoritarian, but you'd, would you oppose it? Me personally, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I'm very, I'm, <laughs> I'm very much in favour of um, 
doing things collectively for the greater good, but I'm also realize conceptually that there are personal freedoms and choices uh, that allow individuals to experiment and, and, you know, take personal ownership of things uh, that I think is important. And, and that feeds back into politics. People who feel free to make choices, feel confident to contribute to politics and feel confident to try new things and push in new directions. So that's, I guess, my big picture view. And yes, I would definitely um, oppose that sort of overreach. And perhaps I would propose, well, if the politicians want to trial it on themselves for a few years first, then we can have the discussion, something like that to really um, ram home the, the genuine effects of it. But yeah, again, uh, it's a higher level political thing and, and we have to participate if we want to change it. Great place to end. Um, thank you very much, Cameron. I note that um, you on your Twitter have been posting um, about an interesting new book about dark money and corruption and money laundering in Australia. And maybe we can do a bit of a, a review of that one next time. Yeah, yeah. It's by um, Nathan Lynch. It's called The Lucky Laundry. It's about Australia's role in the global money laundering. So it's just a new topic I'm taking an interest in. Uh, and yes, we'll definitely talk about that sometime. Great. Talk next time then. Thanks, Jonathan. Thanks.